We are live. Hello and welcome to another episode of How to Rock Virtual Engagements. I'm your host, Alistair Davis. I have with me today, Ian Spandau. Ian Spandau is uh, originally from Ireland, but uh, he likes to be known as Ian, plain old Ian, Guru, Svengali, or Lord Vader. He's fostered over 100 dogs. At the moment, he's the global field readiness leader for Walk Me. And originally from Dublin, Ireland, welcome, Ian. Good morning, Al. How are you? Not too bad in yourself. So tell me, are you still rocking it out in San Francisco? Are you still, are you still playing music? Absolutely, absolutely. I haven't been playing much lately. In fact, uh, just at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, all our gigs got cancelled. So yeah. I've been annoying my wife by sitting around the living room playing guitar and piano and uh, trying to get my musical angst out. <laughs> I've done the same. I, I, I set myself a target. I said, I want to try and write a song in one hour. And so yesterday I, I took 30 minutes and I got a, a nice tune down. So I haven't got the full hour because I'm a perfectionist. I don't know about you. And I just, when I start writing a song, I never finish it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist, actually, Al. You know, it's just like being an alcoholic. You have to know that you have the problem before you can really, really deal with it. Uh, sometimes good enough is good enough in, in the business environment. And uh, those of us who are, like I say, recovering perfectionists, uh, sometimes struggle with that. How do you recover from being a perfectionist? Well, just being aware of it, really. You know, I can remember doing, you know, absurd overwork on things that nobody else cared about. And then I had a very good mentor one time who, at one company who sat me down and said, why are you doing all this? And I said, well, because it's the right way to do it. And he said, who else cares about this? I couldn't answer that question. So yeah. he said, well, what, what, how could you be better using your time? Okay. And how do you, how do you bring this into your, into your current job? Of, of, because you're, you're global field readiness. So I guess you're training people by the nature of your title, you're training them to become field sales for your company. But how do you, how do you tell them not to be perfectionists? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, a lot of times on some of the e-learning and things like that, we'll get questions about it saying, well, surely this could have been just a little bit more perfect than it is. <laughs> and again, I revert back to that, that comment, which is, well, your customer or your prospect doesn't care about your level of perfection. They care about their own business. Mm. So, you know, perfect for them is probably the shortest, cleanest messaging they can get. But perfect for you and I probably includes a lot of detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've known you for many years because I used to work for Oracle. You used to work for Oracle back in the, back in the day. And uh, coming from Ireland, you know, doing your role at the moment, you guys, obviously, I've seen on LinkedIn, I've seen your posts, you've, you've got some uh, innovative ways to, to do these virtual meetings. Because I guess at the moment, you're doing a lot of training virtually and meetings virtually, etc. How do you, how do you bring that into, into the party? Because I remember when I was working with you at Oracle, you always had some innovative ways, fun ways, let's put it under the heading of fun, fun ways to get people involved, engaged, whatever. Well, you probably remember that it, for me, it always involved a lot of physical activity. Uh, most of yeah. us sit at a desk for most of the day or we sit in meeting rooms uh, or even in a training room, we tend to be seated. Uh, yeah. I like to encourage an awful lot of physical stand-up motion activity to, 
really grab those kinesthetic learners, the people who like doing things rather than watching things or listening to things. On Zoom, of course, recently, uh, everybody's been using Zoom a lot more. Not that it wasn't a typical tool for us anyway. But yeah. we've ramped it up. For instance, at the beginning of our trainings, we have a scavenger hunt and we ask people to run to their part of their home and grab something and bring it to the camera to win a prize. Uh, <laughs> last week, last week I did it. And, uh, I, you know, salespeople, you can guarantee are going to be competitive, right? So when you've got yeah. 40 odd people on screen and then you say go and you see every single one of those people disappear out of shot instantly at exactly the same time. It's quite extraordinary. <laughs> but uh, last week I asked people uh, on the scavenger hunt, and we give them a $20 Amazon card or something like that. These days that'll yeah. buy you one, one roll of toilet paper in America, by the way. Um, yeah. But we, we, last week I asked them to bring either a family member or a pet to the camera. And it was quite hilarious because most people grabbed their children. And of course, because they were in such a hurry, they didn't tell their children why they were grabbing them. They just <laughs> grabbed them and launched them in front of the camera. So I saw about 20 odd terrified looking small children wondering why they were suddenly being grabbed by dad or mom and thrown in front of a webcam. So yeah. uh, just uh, I like to connect with people on their personal level as well. So I often ask people on the Zoom call about the things I can see in the background. You know, they've got a guitar there or they've got a some sort of artifact in their home, just to really yeah. make it a little bit more personal. We do that yeah. typically when we're in an office anyway, right? I mean, you meet yeah. your buddies and you meet your colleagues and you're going to ask them about those kind of things. But on Zoom, we tend not to uh, because we, we, we tend to assume that being a web meeting, it doesn't have to be Zoom, of course, WebEx, whatever, that it's all about business. Yeah, And uh, people tend to get straight into the task, you know. Um, Americans yeah. in particular are very, very task-orientated and less yeah. relationship-orientated. Yeah. So uh, I've been trying to do that relationship piece quite a bit more on pretty much every, every interaction I'm having now working from home. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I interviewed a guy last week, and he was a, he's a master negotiator. His name's Alan McCarthy. And he said that in terms of negotiation, the first thing that you need to establish is trust. Trust, 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 trust. And I guess in the, in the virtual context, what you're saying to me, reading between the lines, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you actually need to pay more attention to that, that trust, that rapport, that likability. Spend a bit more time there so that you can get to the good stuff later. It, it, pretty much exactly that. Uh, if you think about accountability in an office situation, uh, if I ask you, hey, Al, can you send me over that email? And you say, sure. If I meet you at lunchtime in the cafeteria and you still haven't sent it to me, you're, you're yeah. going to feel a little, you're going to feel bad about that. Yeah. So it's more likely that you're going to take that, that accountability and responsibility for tasks. Whereas in this remote environment, I'm not going to run into you at lunchtime. I'm not going to see you walking for the bus. Mm. So I don't get that chance to go, oh, Al, did you ever get to send me that email or that document or whatever it was? Yeah. So exactly what you're saying, you know, the trust piece, I think, needs to be turned up 20%. Yeah. Because that accountability, that physical accountability isn't there. Okay. So trust, trust up 20%. And that, what, if, what about if you're talking to somebody you don't know? First time. You've spoken to them on the phone or you've, you've, you've talked to them over email and now it's the, the Zoom call or the WebEx call or it's the call now to discover their business or start, should we say. How do you, yeah. how do you, get, how do you dial up that trust 
by 20%? Well, that's, a, that's the $50,000 question, right? On a, on a new contact, I principally work with internal staff. Yeah. So global internal staff. So it's a little easier. You've got that piece in common already, right? So you yeah. welcome them. If they're new hires, you're going to welcome them to the company, give them a little bit of background, you know, the lay yeah. of the land, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Me, I like to speak about my own experiences because it's easy because I can remember them easily. <laughs> yeah. You know, the truth is always easy to remember, as they say. So, uh, and I'll be disarmingly honest about it, right? So I, mm. I will tell people on an early, early interaction, the challenges, for instance, that I have or the concerns that I have uh, so that they see not just the bright side of it, but they also see, you know, that there are challenges too. So it, it appears more realistic. If I, for instance, tell you as a, as a, as a colleague, hey, Al, this is all going to be terrific. Don't worry, you'll get everything you need. Well, you've worked in a few punk companies before. You've probably heard that before. And it yeah. probably hasn't always worked out exactly as you heard on the way in, right? Yeah. People yeah. drink yeah. Kool-Aid for a certain amount of time and then they uh, become aware of the realities. So I like to get those realities out up front. You said in your pre-interview form, I asked you, what's the one ninja tip that you can think of that can make a, a person a better communicator? And you said eye contact. Yeah. Now, in, in, in this current COVID-19 coronavirus milieu situation we find ourselves in, how do you think we can bring that eye contact into this virtual context? Right, so there's a couple of easy one-on-one tips. Uh, you and I are on video now, but our, our listeners are obviously just listening to audio. But as you can see yep. and I can see, we're both quite close to our cameras. Our, our faces, they're a large part of the shot. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're both very well lit. And that's the really critical rookie mistake people are making on, on webcams is that they've got yep. a window behind them and they're silhouetted and you just yep. really see the outline of a head. Yep. So uh, being able to see people's faces amazingly, <laughs> it's not a shock, is uh, extremely important. And then eye contact, if you think about when you go to your local store and you buy you know, any little item, most of the time those shopkeepers don't really make a lot of eye contact, or if they do, it's fleeting, right? Mm. They'll, they'll make eye contact with you for a second to recognize or acknowledge that you're there, but then they'll be looking down at their cash register or their product or, or the credit card machine or something like that. Yeah. So less and less eye contact takes place in that sort of, you know, adult, adult communication that happens out and about. Yeah. Within an office environment, we typically sit around a, a meeting room table. So it's pretty easy. You're, you're more, more often than not sitting directly opposite somebody. So eye contact yeah. is easy to affect. I've been on uh, web calls recently where people literally have their head pointing in a different way. They have a camera to maybe slightly to the right or to the left. Yeah. And then they're not even looking directly into their camera as they speak with you. Yeah. They're actually looking at their monitor, which you know, maybe has a deck on it or something like that. Yeah. And that makes me feel very dissociated from that person, right? I always yeah. feel like I'm not in the room with them. Yeah. So eye contact and, and, and you know, being comfortable with eye contact for you know, periods of time, two or three or four seconds, that's not uncomfortable mm. on web. In a restaurant, it might be a bit weird. You know? <laughs> but uh, over a camera, I think it's more important. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. I would like to share with you a tip that I've that I've got from the acting world is, you know, for anybody who's listening right now, you've got a little camera in your laptop and a selfie camera in your phone, which you can hardly see. But if you're going to do a web meeting, look into that camera. What you could do is you could give that camera a name. So write a name next to it or even draw an eye with a hole in it. So make make yourself an eye and or a face and put and stick it around that camera. Obviously something that you can take off or 
put back on. But the point is you need to draw more attention to that hole because the hole yeah. is very dark on, especially on a MacBook pro. I've got a MacBook pro uh, and I've got an iPhone and they designed specifically not for you to see where that camera is, but yeah. that's the most rookie mistake that you can ever make is not yeah. look straight into that camera. Yeah. And just, just on that point, um, Ian, now I'm going to say something a little controversial here, maybe to some of our listeners. Millennials and people younger than millennials, where a lot of communication is done through instant messaging, through those kinds of channels where there isn't much communication vocally. Well, there's voice notes. Okay. But that's very one dimensional, one, one, one directional, but mm. bringing back to the eye contact piece. Now you you're forced in this virtual context to now look at this artificial eye yeah. and have a meaningful conversation with your audience member. How, you know, how, how have you, how have you seen that in your, in your role of, of field readiness? Uh, every every variation of it. So for a start, I, I'm I'm not a millennial basher. Uh, I actually have huge empathy for millennials. Uh, you hear a lot of jokes about how they'll use their phone for absolutely anything other than making a phone call, right? <laughs> and 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 that that's very you know obviously the reality. Most of these people have started using smartphones while they were in school. Yep. So it was under the desk and it was in their bag and it was hidden, but they were communicating all the time with it, but they had to do so quietly. Yep. Uh, similar, similar in university. And then by the time they get into the workforce, you know, they're, they're digitally native, right? They're, yep. they're fluent on every app. So mm. I, don't, I don't judge them whatsoever. I do, I do also agree with the statement that, you know, that conversational new is, is lacking a little bit, but I think that's understandable. Yeah. Uh, if I haven't had the 10,000 hours of competence in anything, then I'm, I'm probably not going to be very good at it. Mm. Uh, but they do use technology in a way, way better than I do, for instance. Right? Yeah. So you yeah. Know, I, I don't consider myself a Luddite or anything, but at the same time, I haven't heard of half of the apps that some of these people are using to communicate. Mm. I mean, here at WalkMe, for instance, we use well, Slack, obviously, and then you know people are G-chatting, and people are also using WhatsApp, and then there's a LinkedIn group, and you know there's probably four or five different communication channels that you need to use in order to get to people these days. Uh, yeah. If you'd asked me ten years ago when I was still at Oracle, you know, we were, we were very vivid that just use Salesforce Chatter or just use this one platform for communication. That way, everyone's on it. Well, that's honestly not relevant or appropriate anymore. It's impossible to get everybody on board to just one particular channel. People have their yeah. favorites. Uh, yeah. Most of these tools are licensable free, so they don't even have to pay yeah. for them. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge. However, there's, there's technology that's helping us with it, I think. Uh, I think yeah. communication styles are really quite slick in some instances, certainly social media-wise. I think actually, to be fair, this this virtual situation is a great leveler. Mm. It's a leveler for people who are 60 years old, because 60 years old, 40 years old, 50 year old, 21 year old, we all have the same problem of remembering to look into the webcam, mm -hmm. remembering to light ourselves properly. We're all maybe a little bit self-conscious of seeing ourselves in this webcam. So right. it's actually it's actually been a very big leveler in, in, in a way. You know, we're, we're all in the same boat from the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
So um, yeah, the, the, just that tip on the making an eye around your webcam is something that I learned in the, in the acting world. Um, but you spoke about Oracle. Can you tell me a little bit about that? You said, I asked you in your pre-questionnaire, can you tell me about a past failure and what you learned from it? And you said, fired by Oracle. Mm. And, I and I don't think you can tell me your learning from that. Well, one of my principal rules on sales is never to make assumptions. And uh, I made an assumption, which was incorrect. Uh, and the assumption I made was that things would be the same when I transferred from Oracle Europe to Oracle USA. Right. Uh, with one company, I rather assumed, which was wrong of me, that the same processes and you know, same sort of accountability was, was going to be appropriate here in the U.S., Right. Uh, but, but I found very quickly over here that actually it's really a very different business environment. Um, and what people value here is quite different to what people value back in Europe. Uh, we mentioned earlier on the difference between task and relationship. Yeah. You know, Europeans, in my experience, anyway, very relationship-based. Irish people in particular, right? We're, yeah. We have hospitality beaten into us as children by our parents. Yes, so yes. We, we, we tend to be gregarious and, and very chatty and relationship-based. Um, I would yeah. say the same of, of my German colleagues, my Italian colleagues, my Spanish colleagues. You know, they're very family-orientated um, and relationships are very important to them. In the U.S., you don't have the same kind of protections in a, in a typical job or company that you would in Europe. So relationships mean a lot less. The task is the very important thing. If you can get the task done, uh, there's a lot of forgiveness about how you got that task done. Yeah. And you know, if you achieve your, your number or your target or something like that, there are very few questions on the process mm. where you know, I found it to be almost the opposite of that uh, in, in working for a big corporation in Europe where you, know, you have governing laws within countries and certain standards that mean that you really have the time to generate relationships with people because the likelihood is you'll work with them a lot longer. You and I, mm. I think we're just working together for two or three years, but there were people yeah. I worked with back there for seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, and in that time, of course, you're going to develop a relationship. Yeah. Uh, here in the US, you know, the average tenure in a job is a lot shorter. Uh, the average American, I believe, lives in 3.2 cities in their, in their career, right? So they don't even stay in the one town for that you know, that 25-year mm. career or that 30-year career where, you know, we tend to be more homebodies back in Dublin or London or, or places yeah. like that where, you know, you, you live and grow and work in the same area your, your entire career. So yeah. relationships are more important. So, so it's an interesting point. So how, you know, the, the, I've always said that we're so disconnected in a hyper-connected world we've got all these communication channels and we've got all these apps and we've got all these virtual meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's such a plethora of connection options, but yet we find that we're, we're not that connected in some instances. And how do you, as a trainer or as a, a professional, if you're going to use these technologies, how are you going to get that connection? How are you going to get that trust? Yeah, like you talked about being disarmingly honest. How much of you, how vulnerable must you be in your opinion? Or what can you do to get that connection, that trust, that honesty going? Because you, you, you're limited now by this technology platform and you can't see the person or, or whatever. How do, you, how do we get there? Well, for me, it's usually, there's a rule that I learned years ago, which was that he or she who asks the questions controls the interaction. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're the person who's asking the questions, as you are today, then you are controlling the time that we spend together and, and dictating what the topics are we're going to discuss. Yeah. So, you know, if I get on a one-to-one uh, web call with somebody, I, I don't want it to be about me. If I'm answering questions, <laughs> this podcast accepted. If I'm answering questions, a couple of things are true. One, I'm not learning anything. Somebody else yeah. is. <laughs> um, yeah. So and the second thing is uh, I'm not in control of the meeting. Uh, I'm, I'm actually just responding to the questions I'm being asked, in which case I don't necessarily get a chance to show my own curiosity or my own personality. Mm. So I like to be the person who asks most of the questions. And of course, like you and I are now, it, it, it provokes a discussion. That, that's what I want. But if I'm asking questions about the things that those people are in, interested in and that are you know, appropriate to them and that are relevant to them, that tends to build trust because they realize at that point, and I've gotten this feedback several times, that, oh, you've done this poor, obviously. <laughs> You're asking the right questions. You must have done some research on this. Or you know, maybe even at a stretch, yeah. you yeah. care about the things that I care about. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, and, and this is the thing that I've, that I've, I've done. This is, you are my fifth guest. No, my fourth guest, but my fifth podcast. And what's very, the, the, the common denominator that's come through all of this is in this environment, in this virtual environment, you actually have to up your empathy by 20%, your ability yeah. to build trust by 20%, your research by 20%. You have to make the conversation and the interaction very much about your audience. And if you can show them that you've taken the time to understand that they have fostered a hundred dogs or whatever it is, then, then you, you're going to get that connection and that trust. You can't go, Hey, and so how's it going? Well, nice. How's the weather? Weather's good. All right. So about that uh, license deal that you're interested in, you, you can't yeah. ask because that's, that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. A good example of that. Actually, I just had a call yesterday with a colleague I haven't spoken to since I think January. Um, because he doesn't work out in San Francisco. And the very first thing he said on the call to me were, how are your dogs? Now, given that I haven't spoken to him in two or three months, that means more to me that he remembers that I have a lot of dogs than, you know, hey, how's your day or how's San Francisco or something like that. So I tend to make notes on people. I'm sure you do too. Uh, or I might take a quick browse on their LinkedIn before I'm meeting with them or a quick browse on on some social media. And then I'm, I'm going to make the first interaction a little bit about something that we might have discussed before or something that I know about that person. Again, you know, if, if you meet me after five years and, and I remember your, you know, your dog's name or something like that, that's going to mean a lot to you, right? Yeah. You're going to go, whoa, you still remember Scrappy all those, all those years <laughs> later, right? Uh, that, that, that means to me that I haven't gone out of that person's mind completely. So I try and yeah. do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean... Uh... Uh, totally. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, research, honesty, questions. You have to pay. You have to pay. In in rugby, I like rugby. I'm a I'm a rugby mm-hmm. fan. And they say me too. You have to earn the right to go wide. And in the rugby context, you have to build the phases. So you you build the phase. You build the phase. You suck the defenders in. You suck the defenders, and then you swing the ball wide. You can't you can't have an interaction with somebody virtually or even on the phone and go, oh, so how's the weather? Yeah, oh, very well. Uh, how's this COVID nineteen? Right. Mm, terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. boom. <laughs> it's like the customer, <laughs> the customer or the client is or the colleague is like, wait wait, wait, he's going to ask the question now. Boom. 
break. <laughs> it's like the DJ so drops, drops the beat. There's another rugby analogy then that you and I and maybe only other rugby fans will enjoy. Um, and it's about a scrum. And I can remember, I use this a lot of times in sales training about particular projects or particular campaigns. So I can remember as a schoolboy playing a, a game of rugby and getting beaten horribly at half time because we had feet up in the scrum on almost every one and we lost nearly every scrum in the first half. Yeah. And our coach, who was a, not always a fantastic coach, but in this particular game had exactly the right advice. Uh, he was a bit of a bully, like a lot of rugby coaches are. Uh, but at the halftime, he said to us, okay, you know, you're getting fouls on almost every scrum. You've lost every scrum, I think, in the first half. You need to forget about everything else when you get down for that scrum, except for that eight of you bind together and push in one direction. Forget yeah. about trying to sweep the ball. Forget about everything else. Just only one single thing. Just shove like you've never shoved in your life. Yeah. We won every scrum. And we, the first scrum in the second half, we rolled them over. They literally collapsed and we rolled them <laughs> over and scored a try. And we won every scrum. And I think we won the game by six points or something like that. But I, I use it frequently now in sales training about how yeah. if you have a team of seven or eight people, which most sales groups are, and there's a manager and there's seven or so reps on that team usually. Yeah, yeah. Then if each and every person on that team knows that they have just one incredibly important thing that they need to do and they need to do it really, really well, yeah. then the accumulation of that team makes it happen. Uh, yeah. All the individual brilliance uh, in the world, just like in rugby, isn't going to get you over the line, uh, or most times it won't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so that's good. That is a very good. That is a very good analogy and a very good point. And so, there's science and simplicity, or there's you know perfectionism and simplicity. Just doing one thing and focusing on one thing. And it's hard because there's so many distractions, right? Uh, who hasn't got six different communication channels right now? Uh, since you and I have been talking, I've seen about four or five different messages pop up on my screen, which I'm, of course, ignoring. But uh, it's hard to focus on just one thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I know that you're a busy man and it's early morning there and it's late evening. No, it's early evening here. So what, what advice would you give your 22-year-old self? Ah, uh, uh, you know, keep thinking you still know everything, right? <laughs> Back when I still knew everything, you know, I was completely happy day to day. Now I realize how much I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it gives me angst. Um, I think it's just uh, the same advice anybody else would give. It's it just, you know, be 100% authentic. You know, not everybody is going to like you. Not everyone is going to be your best friend. Not everyone's going to be your customer or your best colleague or anything like that. Mm. But I think most people respect authenticity. I mean, you and I both, um, we won't mention any names, but we've both worked with people that, you know, weren't cuddly people, let's say, right? They, they were, <laughs> I'm putting it mildly here. But, um, How do you virtually but you swear? <laughs> but, I, yeah, but I had respect for some of these people because they were authentic. You knew what you were going to get with them. Even if what you were going to get wasn't very positive, you were prepared yeah. for it. Yeah. So yeah. That, that authenticity, that just being completely disarmingly open and honest all the time, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, the worst that's going to happen is somebody else is going to be a fool by taking advantage of that. So yeah. I always, I always think about, uh, I don't know whether you've ever watched American Idol or Pop Idol or any of those shows. Uh, yes, I have. I have. But it's so interesting when the, when the people, the, the guys or girls walk out and they say, I am the next American Idol. Uh, it doesn't matter how good they are. They tend to get booed a little bit or they get suspected. But there's usually somebody walking out with a microphone shaking in their hand and uh, they're terrified and they look like a deer in the headlights and Simon yeah. Cowell or somebody like that will say, well, you know, what's going on? They say, oh, I'm so nervous. And 
And then they sing or they do their thing and people love them. They just yeah. whoop and they jump up and down yeah. and they give them all yeah. the applause. Yeah. And it's really because they were authentic on the way in. Uh, they, yeah. they were genuinely, obviously, uncomfortable. And, you know, people have empathy for that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I feel that in the COVID uh, current situation, that braggishness is becoming even more, you know, grating. Uh, I think people getting onto web calls and telling you this is going to be the best meeting you've ever been at is, is horrible right now, honestly. Yeah, I, I haven't had that yet, but I, 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 you know, from what you're saying is, you know, we've talked about connection, we've talked about eye contact, we've talked about trust and upping the trust by twenty percent and being disarmingly honest, and you know, those are they're, they're all they're all belong they all belong to the same family, and it's and it's one where you you don't have so much bluster, where hmm. you you're a little bit vulnerable and you share, you know, something personal or you share something because you, you need to get that connection. And if you can get the connection, then, then, then Pandora's box is going to open. Violently agree, Al. Violently agree. And with that honesty piece, I can just point out, I think I can see your gin and tonic right there beside you on the desk. <laughs> is that a lemon in the top? No, that is, that is a diluted, um, prune juice with some ice in it <laughs> well i think it's allowed it's later in south africa than it is in san francisco right well now, it's right? six o'clock okay 6 p.m 6 p.m and i and, and that's not my gin and tonic it's somebody else. no it is my gin and tonic be, let's be honest now let's be disarmingly honest look ian i know that you've got to run uh, to your next meeting before you go what are your top three tips to make virtual meetings or engagements interesting and fun, because I think that's, that's something that you definitely bring to the table. What are your top three tips, advices to make virtual meetings, engagements interesting? Sure. So number one, be interactive in a physical way if you can. We sit yep. at our desks at home. We're not getting out doing the hiking and the skiing and the surfing and all the things that most people would do. So if there's some way of being interactive physically on the, on the call, do that. We've been doing virtual fist bumps and virtual handshakes and all sorts of yep. fun stuff. Yep. Secondly, as you say, be lit well and be close to your camera so that people can actually see the nuance of expression in your face. They can see when your forehead is burrowing. They can see when your eyes are wide open or yep. when you're smiling or anything like that. Yep. And thirdly, and maybe we didn't talk about this, but audio is so important. Yes. Uh, some people are just using their laptop microphones uh, or you know, pretty inexpensive little headphones. I see that you've got an expensive headset on there right now. Um, this is so critical. Audio isn't always perfect over, over internet con contact. You know, there's a little bit of bump here and there or a clip. Yeah. So you know, test your audio and speak nice and clearly and, and openly to the microphone so that there's no less mumbling. Yes. No, the power of the voice. The power of the voice. Yes, no, definitely. Thanks. That's, uh, I think those are very good tips. I think those are very good tips. Well, I think people are, some people are overwhelmed and they don't know where to start and there's so much going on and, you know, you've got to, life is hard enough as it is and now you've got to try and figure out this new thing. I've got a three and a half year old at home and uh, I'm, I've built a lot of puzzles, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building a castle now out of cardboard. So yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough out there. But um, I, I do want to thank you for your time, though, and acknowledge you for your Ian-ness and your uh, disarmingly honest uh, assessments and for outing me. Th 
thank you <laughs> thanks very much for your for your time Ian. it's been a pleasure Al. good to catch up with you thank you <laughs>